there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Revenue Driven CMO. Uh, I'm super excited for today's guest. Uh, she is a badass marketer, uh, has been doing it for many, many years, and she's an expert at uh, leveraging engagement strategy to drive demand. And throughout her career, she's developed specialties in content design, market research, and campaign execution. So really kind of uh, that unicorn type that we love having on the show. She's currently executive vice president of marketing at Field Nation, uh, which is a really interesting IT um, staffing and service provider. And uh, she is Brianna Belial. Welcome to the show, Brianna. Thank you, Chris. So excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited uh, to dive in. It's a beautiful day here in the Washington, uh, Baltimore area. But um yeah, it's an exciting time to be alive and an exciting time to be a marketer, especially. Oh, absolutely. It is not as nice here. We are in Minneapolis and we are getting rain as opposed to snow, which is upside, yeah. but we're, man, spring could get here faster. Oh, man, I feel for you. Well, here, I'll open my window in a second. You can see some of, you can at least see a little sunshine from there. Sounds great. But Brianna, let's dive right in. You know, our audience is all about those secrets. Um, you've had an amazing career, and I'm curious if you would share with us one of your best kept secrets to your marketing success. Yeah. So, you know, as marketers, in a lot of ways, we're also strategists, right? And so for, for me, there's a mantra that I use to ground myself to make sure that I'm executing on what matters most to our prospects. And the mantra is solve the boring but urgent problem. And I can break that down for you. Okay. Let's start with boring because it can be kind of like, well, what does that mean exactly? You know, in marketing, there's always like the new and exciting topic and as marketers and as strategists, strategists, we naturally kind of gravitate towards those concepts. Yeah. For me, the boring aspect of this is it helps me to remember it doesn't have to be sexy to be important mm -hmm. to the that we seek to serve. And there is a place for concepts and kind of the new and better thing in your marketing mix. But yeah. if you're not solving for that thing that's keeping your prospect up at night, um, you can uh, win the battle and lose the war in a lot of ways. So, Totally. The easiest thing to do as a marketer is to just get really busy by chasing all of the shiny objects. So I love that message, like the, the focus on, uh, I've never heard it necessarily called boring, though it is boring. But like the focus on that block and tackle, just the things that you have to do. But I'm interested in the second part of that statement about like, what's an example of something that's boring that's also keeping your customers up at night? Yeah, I think urgent is also sometimes hard to see, right? Like there's the difference between the someday problem and the now problem. And something that I've 
keep coming back to is the difference between a critical event or a compelling event. And a critical event is something that's costing time, money, or customers now. And in the current economy, those are the types of problems companies are looking to solve for. Mm-hmm. The compelling event can draw you in, though, right? Like you can you can have a conversation with a prospect. You can be talking about a particular concept, and it feels like you're making progress. But unless you can tie it back to something that's happening now, you can spend a lot of time on that particular topic and not result in a lot of ROI. Yeah, and it it forces you to to get really specific on your target audience too, right? Like here is the problem we're solving. Here's why it's urgent for a very specific subset of folks now. And here's why it matters to them more than anything, even if it doesn't seem to be top of mind in the broader market. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That definitely makes a lot of sense. I mean, pain. if somebody's experiencing pain, um, they're probably going to make a purchase and you know, all things considered versus if somebody's like desiring something new or novel, the purchase likelihood is way less. So that's, yeah, that's a really interesting um, concept. So as, uh, as folks are listening here, I think marketers are all at some point guilty of chasing shiny objects of doing stuff. Like I can't tell you how often uh, I'll be speaking with a prospect or somebody and they're doing things they have, like they're posting on social media, but it's, you know, kind of tired. Like it's not really getting much engagement, but they do it religiously. And if you suggest that maybe they stop doing it or maybe they do it a different way there. But um, what, so if somebody's listening right now and they're and they're thinking to themselves, man, I could really use a dose of that like i need to focus on the boring but important the day-to-day more effectively like what's a step they could take in that direction it's such a great question you know i think it's good to just go back to the critical business problem your solution solves better than anybody else and then qualify it against those two things is it urgent is, and are you clear on who it's urgent for right now? And are you speaking to that? And then challenge yourself whether or not you're talking about the bright, shiny object or you're talking about the real pain that's keeping them up at night. It might be boring to you, might be boring because you've had it on repeat, but likely if you've got the right problem and you've got the right audience, it will matter enormously to them. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I love that. How did you come up with this? Or like, did you have some experiences throughout your career that like drew you to this conclusion? I made the mistake a number of different times. I think, you know, I, I've heard pieces of the statement over and over. And what I find is that the gravitational force of like the new topic one of the ones that we run, we, we wrangle a lot with is service delivery transformation. And like all of our energy and effort, like just starts to gravitate towards talking about the concept in market. And so what helps me just get us back centered and focused on where we're going to actually move the needle in terms of providing, you know, sales ready 
opportunities for our partners is being critical on like, is this the boring, the urgent problem? Is this now? And is it what is most relevant to them? Or is it what I want to be talking about? I think that's the the piece that I, I constantly have to grapple with. No, I hear you. Well, um, I'm going to take a dose of that medicine myself. I'm going to stop talking about chat GPT and the future of AI and start talking about the problems that are actually affecting our clients. Uh, starting today, you've inspired me. Thank you. Um, on that note, tell me, tell us a little bit about field nation. Uh, you've been there for some time now, uh, which is, you know, a, an impressive tenure. It's, like, as you know, marketing executives are like the highest turnover uh, role, probably. So you must be doing something really right, and the company must be on on a good track. What's it all about? Is it uh, like IT staffing? It is. It is. You know, Field Nation is an on-site talent platform. And really, where we focus is connecting IT professionals who go on-site to complete work for service providers mm-hmm. across the country. And what's interesting is that it's been such a great opportunity to be here, Chris, because when you walk into like a Target or a Walmart or McDonald's, wherever, wherever you're, whatever location you're going into, like there's an enormous amount of technology powering your experience. Yeah. There's cameras in the front, there's servers in the back, there's checkout stations, there's the receipt terminals. Like there's an enormous amount of technology that needs to be operational in order for you as a consumer to have a quality experience. Yeah. And that infrastructure is really difficult to in- install and maintain when you think about the, the geographic footprint of all those locations nationwide. It's one thing to do that in downtown LA. It's another thing to do that in like Valentine, Nebraska, right? How do you get somebody on site to do that work profitably and be able to trust that it's going to get done correctly? And so we're we're at this really just interesting moment in terms of like this technology, uh, increase in technology in all these locations, that technology needing to be serviced. And also there's just this massive labor shortage that's happening across IT and in the market in general. So there's all this work and there's nobody to do this work. And Workfield Nation comes in as we actually connect the dots. What we've learned over the years is that field service professionals, they're kind of like part IT, parts tradesmen. They have that that technical acumen, but they also have to operate like independently with individual sites. They have to be incredibly good problem solvers. They have to be able to come in, assess a situation, and then figure out the best path forward. And so those individuals to get that level of expertise takes time. Like you can't just develop that overnight. And there isn't a, a trade school you can go to to become an IT professional. So many of them are much more senior in their career. And they're choosing a contract. So they come to platforms like Field Nation to be able to access the type of work they want to be doing on their terms. And what companies are finding is that the workforce that they can access in the broader market in, in terms of employees are available. They're just choosing to contract. Yeah. And they're choosing to contract on platforms like ours. 
brilliant. That's an awesome business model. So you guys basically just have a massive community almost of talented, you know, IT field service folks. Um, and you. you connect them with roles. That's brilliant. You guys are pretty big too. It looks like you got 1,600 uh, employees on LinkedIn, 62,000 followers. Not bad at all. Yeah, our employee number on LinkedIn is interesting because the technicians who choose to do work on the platform sometimes see us as like, oh, I'm doing work with Field Nation. Oh, that's so a bit inflated. But that's what's so cool about, about the role that we play, right? Like we facilitate connecting companies in independent technical pros. And so they're actually creating they're they're both independent businesses as an independent contractor. You are yeah. a business owner. So they're, we're facilitating the connection, but the relationship is all theirs. That's so. brilliant. I love that. Um, so how many people work there? Like in reality, is it like um, half of that number or? Actually, right around 200. 200, we have a, okay. a lot of people here in the U.S. And then we have a really strong presence in Bangladesh as well. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your marketing programs, if you can. I'm curious, like how big your teams are, what your like, what your top channels are, and how how you're driving most of your success. Yeah. So uh, today, our primary success is that within the SMB segment, and we have a really, really strong inbound lead funnel. So we get companies who are coming to us who want to connect with a technician for one job in one location. And then we have others who have a larger challenge. They have a project and they need coverage at sites na nationwide, but they're just not able to find the talent to do that. And so that mechanism is going over to our sales organization, to, which is actually the, the major growth driver for us today. So we, we drive, we have a really strong organic presence. We're really strong referral base today. And then... What our marketing emphasis is on right now is, you know, we've we've done such a we have such a strong SMB base. The opportunity for us is in those mid to larger size organizations who they have an established way for getting work done today that they are using and it's been working as they just kind of default back to it. But because of the labor shortage, it's starting to become less reliable. Yeah. And it's costing them customers and money. Mm -hmm. And so what we're finding is that companies who traditionally didn't look to on-demand labor to solve their field service challenges are in need of a different way of doing business. And so a lot of the work, the marketing team that, that we have today is doing is on the content to highlight that opportunity in the market. And then the programming for our BDRs and BDMs to actually take that to market to connect the dots on the story so that they actually have a, a productive conversation with those folks. Got it. So you um, are trying to go up market essentially, like trying to get bigger accounts. Yeah. Well, the example that you provided is a salient one. So how do I do it? If I'm Walmart, you know, and I like my location in Valentine, Nebraska, do I have an IT person sitting there? No. I mean, are they standing by? 
or is it like if technology a breaks i'm just going to call vendor a and have that and ask them to like what do they do uh, absent of a field nation and then crazy chris the way that they solve for this now is a company like walmart will have a partner that helps them help support all of their work and that partner will have another partner that supports some of the work and that partner will then have another partner that supports even mm. additional parts of the work because once you get into locations like Valentine, Nebraska, to your point, it's impossible to have someone just standing by ready to, to deploy at a moment's notice to actually install the thing or fix the thing. Mm. And so what we're finding is that because there's so many layers between the person who's actually doing the work in a company like Walmart, there's a lot of places for things to go wrong. And yeah. because of the increased dependency we all have and companies have on technology, like that's just no longer something that companies are willing to stomach. So they're looking to consolidate and get more direct to the technician who's actually going on site. Yeah. So the companies who typically work with us actually sell to Walmart, sell to Target, sell to McDonald's, but then they would go directly to us to get the talent. They'd be able to manage that person directly. They would be able to give them the exact instructions that they have for that particular job. Most importantly, they get to have direct opportunity to vet the person they are selecting for that job. The further you get removed from who's being selected, the less ability you have to determine, like, is this the person I want to represent my brand? And so we're allowing them to bring that closer to their business and that'll control the brand perception for both them as well as for their customer. Interesting. So you're not actually selling to Walmart. You uh, there's Walmart has a vendor, like a master service vendor or something, and exactly. that's who you're selling to. Exactly. Cool. Well, how many companies like that are there? Well, let's talk about ABM a little bit, right? I'm curious about your approach there. Because yeah. there can't be that many. What do you call those? Integrators? Or what, what is the term for that in intermediary or that direct vendor of Walmart that you guys are targeting? Do you have a name for them? There, there's a variety of different types of companies that do it. You can kind of bucket them all under service providers, but it can be an OEM. It can be a VAR. It can be an integrator. Um, it's like a basically of, a managed services company and they can be a managed like, service company. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's a fairly big universe of prospects then that you have. It is. And it starts to get, it, it's a, it's a big universe for it in general, but it starts to become a much smaller landscape when you're focused just on field service. Mm. Field service is just, it's a harder business model, right? Like getting people on site to do work in a timely way is complicated in terms of both customer experience as well as profitability. So that landscape, to your point, is relatively small. Large organizations, you're looking at upwards of 100, and then in the mid-market space, somewhere between four and 5,000. Yeah. Well, to your original point, um, which it wasn't exactly this, but part of what I heard you say came down to messaging. Like, hey, you know, don't necessarily talk about the new, you know, service delivery transformation movement, if that doesn't really matter, but instead focus on the things that matter. Um, 
and that target that you're describing my sense is like they already like they already have a solution for that that you need to displace so like how do you stay in touch and continue that like messaging sequence when i guess how do you create that compelling event and make it so that it's also like at the time at a critical time like is there some science to that or is it more so just like be there all the time I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? And it, it's part of why the compelling versus critical event is so important, especially for ABM, which is part of where we've learned to be more focused on the critical event, because otherwise you can get tempted to just talk to more companies that have what I would say is tangential reasons for wanting to have that conversation, but it's not urgent or immediate. Yeah. What's cool about ABM is you can get really, really focused and target on, on like, here are the top 25 accounts by rep, and we're going all in on. So what we've done with our enterprise team, and we worked with a consultant to put together our program, is kind of narrowed down the universe, and then we narrowed it down again and said, based on all of the information that we know to be true, these are the companies that have the highest propensity to buy and the most urgent need. And let's surround them with content, with conversations, and with opportunity. And our approach to this to date has been to start those conversations where we don't have a direct relationship with information, right? Like field service isn't necessarily always the most critical component of their overall service delivery program, but it could be the one that's causing the most pain. And so we've come in, because we operate a platform, we have billions of data points that allow us to aggregate market trends that we can then bring back to those service delivery leaders to explain like, here's what's happening in field service today. Wow. Here are the opportunities that you may be unaware of. And here are the gaps that companies like yours that we're speaking to are experiencing. Would you like to have a conversation? And then we just we just we discuss the business problem and see if there's a you know further conversations necessary. But our goal from a marketing perspective is to get those conversations with the right folks and then to support our sales partners in having those conversations progress through the sales funnel. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing something right. You're growing at a rapid clip, which is impressive. What does your team look like? Like how many folks are on the marketing team specifically and how are they sort of organized? Yeah, so we operate, we have about 13 people today. We have a bench, a strong bench of contractors that support us as well. Mm -hmm. And we have the way that we're organized is in terms of revenue marketing, which is really responsible for identifying those customers that have the highest propensity to do business with us at scale. Mm -hmm. And they're responsible for our enterprise, mid market, and SMB funnels. And then we have a product marketing team that's really responsible for the story development, right? Like what we talked about is getting really crisp on the problem, that it's an urgent problem, who has that problem, and then making sure it's relevant through our persona. 
through our persona research. So just making sure we're tight and they just do an exceptional job. They support both our buyer and technician community. And then we have a content and and design function that really supports both functions in terms of all of our um, marketing marketing program efforts. And what we've been doing most recently is really focusing our integrated campaign efforts around the thought leadership in the market in terms of trends and predictions about what's happening in field service. And then using that to develop kind of our our list number one, so to speak, of like, here are the people that based on our firmographics and based on their engagement with our content may have the critical business problem that we need to identify and then using additional techniques to bring them down the funnel. So then we, we send them to our sales partner. We feel like it's a good use of time to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty advanced and impressive. Um, what I'm wondering, uh, contrary to your boring but important, I am curious about your tech stack. Like what tech yeah. could you not live without? Sounds like you got some intent data flowing in there. You got some. We actually are, we're not using intent data today. We're still doing a lot of that manually. Um, the one that I couldn't live without will probably HubSpot. HubSpot. It's amazing okay. how much information you can get through HubSpot. Oh, yeah. And the we have our marketing operations leader is just a force. And he's constantly looking for ways to gain more visibility and insight. And he's tasked with a lot of efforts as well. So it's interesting to see somebody operationally focused, also connecting the dots with kind of our strategic deliverables. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, it's been an interesting marriage, but a really productive one. Uh, and yeah. he's, he's done a really nice job of, of orchestrating all of our data into a place that gives us insight into what to do next. The other That's thing awesome. is like, it's, it's integrated through our CRM. We use Salesforce into our platform. The other piece, but another rich source of opportunity for us are all the people who we don't qualify to speak with sales originally. Because some people come in and they have a very one-off need. They don't have an urgent larger problem right now, right? Yeah. It's more of a compelling moment or it's just a very one-off small thing that they need to get accomplished. That doesn't mean that the potential opportunity long-term isn't there. And so yeah. that's also a very rich source of opportunity that gives us a ton of data that we can mm. then use in our efforts. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So as you think about the future, you know, like the coming quarters, maybe the coming year, uh, what are you guys excited about or investing in? But last year, it was all about account-based marketing. This year, it's all about story development which is probably why that urgent but boring problem is so top of mind for me right now. And the, the problem set that we're focused on right now is we've always been known as a resource for what I would call a semi-skilled type of IT talent. And so kind of smart hands work, right? They, they have some IT knowledge, but they aren't necessarily um, as experienced as someone you would need to do more advanced work because- right. With more advanced work comes more risk. And, and the brand with risk for these companies is substantial, right? You have 
you're choosing someone to go on site to represent your brand and potentially even your customer's brand in in the location that they're they're interacting with. So so this idea that you could choose an independent tractor via a marketplace to do highly technical, highly skilled work in some ways feels unachievable. What we know to be true is that that work happens all the time. And companies and technicians, the the majority of the technicians on our platform have nearly two decades of experience. They're very, very experienced in field service work. But that perception wasn't there, Chris. And so the focus for us right now is that Field Nation is a source for skilled cabling work. What's more important is it's you can get to skilled talent fast. And those those resources are local and they want to take your assignments and they'll do a great job because, oh, by the way, they're platform verified. When you do work on a platform, you have to earn your, your reputation on every job. So this idea that you can find somebody who has the skills, the tools, and the experience on your equipment that you can trust. It's very, it's happening every single day from a marketing perspective. Our job is to make sure companies have trust that that's, that's what we're able to deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Do you um, spend a lot of time thinking about the offer itself? So there's like the story element, but then like what the actual offer is. We spend a lot of time on that. And what's interesting is that's part of the reason we have such a, a strong product marketing team, because where their where their strength is is really clarifying, okay, here's the problem. What is field nation? The offering that we went to market with traditionally was this concept of on-site talent platform. You can use a platform and then it will solve all the problems. And it wasn't highly differentiated. We had some packaging, but it was more so, it was done prior to us thinking about going up market to these larger buyers. This work about, this work around getting more specific and talking about skilled work is requiring us not only to talk about problem, but also why both platform labor as well as field nation and the best solution for it and the platform verified is the major tenant of that like you get access to people that have the experience and we can prove that to you so it's we we're likely due to revisit our overall solutioning and how that supports where we're headed as a business but today a lot of what we're doing is constructing that through the narrative that we're sharing in the market That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The reason I asked was because I was exposed to the Hormozy value equation. Have you heard of that? I haven't. Hormozy is like a sales and marketing uh, guru type, but he he sort of classified this, and I thought it was really interesting, was that the the perceived value, or the value as perceived by the buyer for any offer there, there's a specific uh, equation that it can be used to calculate it. 
So think of the numerator of that equation. So the top of the denominator, you've got the attractiveness of the outcome, like how attractive is this? And you've got the perceived likelihood of that outcome. So if it's a highly attractive outcome with a high perceived likelihood of it happening, um, you know that's the high, that's the highest value you could get. On the denominator of that equation are the detractors. So detractors are time delay and then effort or sacrifice. Those two things added up are the de detractors. So if you can come, if you can deliver like a really compelling promise, convince the prospect that it's a high likelihood of return, and then minimize the time delay, minimize the effort and sacrifice, then you've got a really, really compelling offer. And like a way, a good way to think of it would be a personal trainer versus a plastic surgeon. So personal trainer, the outcome is fuzzy. It might work. It might not. You've tried before. It didn't work. Da, 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 da. Lots of time delay and lots of personal sacrifice, right? You can't eat that chocolate versus plastic surgeon. It's like lay down, you're going to wake up skinny and then you get, you know, like almost no. And so that's why obviously plastic surgeons can charge so much more. I love that. That's makes a, a lot of like, sense, makes, right? Yeah. We, 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 we've been thinking a lot about our competitors that lately because, you know, so many companies think about us in a similar lens as the service providers that we actually, you know, seek to serve, right? Like they, they see us in a similar vein. Yeah. And so we've been working a lot on our differentiation for that particular competitor while aligning the difference between us and having to go do the work. And this framework is a, would be really powerful for us to bounce it off of. I'm going to definitely take that as an action. Yeah. Credit to Alex Hormozy for that. Uh, he's brilliant. I would definitely follow him if, um, if you've never heard of him. Yeah, we'll do that. He's a badass like you. Hmm. Well, hey, uh, I want to be sensitive of your time here. I know that we're um, cutting it close. Why don't we do the lightning round? Yep. Are you ready? Here we I'm go. ready. Drum roll, please. If you were to start a side hustle, what side hustle would that be? I would write stories about the elderly. Interesting. Never heard that one. All right. Uh, number two, top three books or authors or influencers that have made a big impact in your marketing style? Here's Seth Godin fan. Love to follow Paplaja, especially now on LinkedIn because all of that content is exposed and April Dunsford. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've heard of the first two. I'm not familiar with April Dunsford. I'll have to check her out. Uh, and number three is what do you do uh, to avoid burnout and to help your team also to avoid burnout? So for me, a couple of things. One, I took notifications off my phone. So it forces me to actually have to go in and take an action to look at it. And I didn't realize how much emotional strain there is with a you know, connection with your phone. It's, it's crazy just that I was very addicted to my phone. And so Having to actually take the action of refreshing it forces me to think about, do I need to actually look at this now? And I also, when I, when I get home from work, I set my phone 
aside because I don't have it with me. I have to go check it and then I have to refresh it to get the notifications, which I do a few times in the evening just to check and see if there's anything needed, but there rarely is. So it's just a good forcing function to say, whatever it is, leave it there and it can wait. A team, I think this is always a, a constant balance and it's something we're, we're always working on. You know, a couple of things that we've done historically is this idea of a blackout week, like forcing everybody to just cancel all your meetings and have one week that's focused on whatever we need to get done without distractions. And at first it can feel really like a bad idea. Like what's going to happen if I don't go to all the meetings? Like what's, what are going to be all the ramifications? But coming out of it, what I found is that people typically feel like they had a chance to do the, the deep, meaningful work that really moves the needle. We've done that on smaller scale with like no meeting blocks at time. And then how that's evolved is as opposed to having team-wide no meeting times or company-wide no meeting times, really encouraging our team to be disciplined about saying no when people book over it. Because the biggest asset that we have and the biggest thing we bring to our organizations is time. Like we're, we're purchasing your mind share and your attention to get work done. And meetings can be the thief of that if we're not careful. So encouraging our team to think about it in terms of your time to execute is as powerful, if not more so than any additional conversations that may have been scheduled over that particular time block. Brilliant. So, I love that. Well, Brianna, this was amazing. Uh, if you're listening and you have learned something or gotten a good idea or had a nice laugh at any point, uh, drop us a note, drop us a comment, share it with a friend. Um, Brianna, I know there's probably folks that are interested in following you on LinkedIn um, and learning more about Field Nation. Where would you direct them to? Kind of especially strategy and marketing shop. So you can find me at LinkedIn slash just Brianna. Perfect. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, Brianna, you stay on the line for just a moment and we'll wrap up. But um, this was awesome. I hope uh, hope to have you back again soon. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 